You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is 8.04am and we are so excited. We are live today happening all around Australia. All our stations are working really well. So, And we want to shout out a big hello, of course, to New Norfolk in Tasmania, any of our listeners there on 87.6. Lawson, take it away with our next quiz question, please. Who said, give me here John the Baptist's head in a... In a charger? Actual name of person not required. This is this is this is very very interesting quiz question. In a charger? Give me John the Baptist's head in a charger. Well, because I, would I have mean, used the other words. A, usually they say platter, right? That's right. Where where does where where do yeah, is that is charger like a King James thing or? Who? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I went with this one because the other ones don't say the other part correctly where mm-hmm. it says platter. So. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Well, who said this? Yeah. Who like? Okay. So like, there's there's a particular person. It, oh, I don't, I don't want to give details because I don't want to give it away. But who said this? Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger or on a platter. Who said this? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And again, you don't need to have the person's actual name, just their kind of yeah. look, if you know the answer, you'll know what I mean. But hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let us know the answer to that one. Who said, give me John the Baptist's head in a charger or on a platter? Yeah, yeah, because these days people think of chargers as the chargers that you use, you know. (laughs) That's where my mind went when I read that. But So this is really good to actually know. Do do you not think of it like that, Sure. I've never – I don't think I've ever heard the word charger used for anything other than – the charger. A charger, right? Or, <laughs> yeah. or like, well, the word, or the word charge, which is like, You're not you actually know. saying anything. Is a charger a charger? A charger is a charger. What? Yes. No, no. what do you mean by charger? No, no, no. Like, I, I, a charger as in, like, okay, something you plug into the wall for Better. your phone. Right? Now you're saying something. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's or where like my, the word that's what charge, I for example, like to charge someone money or to, to charge to accuse them or something, you know, to charge them. But, like, Head Chargers, in a charger. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that before in my life. I've never in known my, it. I've ne- in anyway, my so we've whole just, life. We've just learnt something this morning, hey, yeah. haven't we? That's so awesome. hey, it's exciting. Hey, look, we've got some text messages that have been coming through. Heaps of answers, of course. Keep them coming in for our quiz questions because if you missed it earlier, we are giving away th- not one, not two, but three cookbooks this week on the draw at quarter to nine on yep. Friday. Shell's really all excited from it for it too because it was her idea as well. And but we all agreed here, the three of us agreed. So it is the Revive Cookbook number eight by Jeremy Dixon with heaps and heaps of recipes, healthy but yummy, yummy recipes. One of the things when people decide to try and go onto healthier foods or vegetarian foods or in some cases even vegan, what people find hard is to transition and how to make the food taste nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually make it taste nice through a variety of different herbs and spices and things like that, like that and make it enjoyable. That actually help you stay on track with mm. healthier food or vegan food or a vegetarian food too. So hey, we've got some text messages. Sunny says here, we asked earlier, I shared a story earlier about Malcolm, a gentleman from the UK um, who basically managed to find his Talbot Dirac car 
that his dad actually owned and this man's 94 years old and he actually restored it and actually hasn't. So we actually asked our listeners, text us in about, you know, the old kind of cars that you may have had or that you can remember or somebody that you know is restoring it. Sonny writes in, the earliest car, whoops, jumping around because lots of text coming through. The earliest car I remember my dad driving was a, a Holden EH. Dad taught my two older sisters to drive in that car. Unfortunately, there you go. Wow. I remember. So they had the seats. Anyway, I'll come back to that. Um, dad taught my two older sisters to drive in that car. Unfortunately, I was too young to get behind the wheel to drive, though I would love to drive one today just to go down memory lane. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, Sonny, you need to look, ar- look around for one. And then they're starting to come out on the roads again. So my dad had a Holden as well. I still remember that. And of course, back then, you didn't even have to wear seat belts, right? <laughs> Except for the driver kind of thing. And it wasn't like that, you know, at the front, you have the separate seats, um, you know, for the passenger on the left and the driver. It was just like one long seat across the whole thing. So, you know, the common thing too was that, you know, you could sit wherever on that mm. seat. Um, and also, you know, in the back seat, you know, similar Classic, sort of thing. And seat. so um, I just remember as a kid, you'd kind of see couples, hey, driving along and the driver would be having one hand on the wheel and the other arm across, you know, across the back of the seat be, uh, with their arm around the girlfriend. Smooth, These bro. days, Smooth. that would so, <laughs> that would so Smooth. not go down as safety, bro. would That's it? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. <laughs> I mean, oh, you're I too mean, young you to know those like, things and receive it. Like drive <laughs> yeah, and yeah, hold someone's hand, I guess. Yeah. Oh, but, I, oh, well, I even so my first car, I had a bench seat Ute. Oh, that was, that was my first. Okay, it, was, yeah. it was like a 2003 model. And it okay, was, it was, see there it was you still go. A bench seat, like a lot of the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think like bench seats aren't really. And a you thing well, anymore, but no, but I mean, Utes tend to still have them at times. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So because it's sing, get... single cab, so just like a bench seat across the front. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, text us in on you know the kind of cars that you remember, you know. But yeah, Holdens were big back in the sixties, seventies, particularly as well. And I saw one with my hubby on the on the road just the other day, you know. And the fact, of course, no air conditioning, so that you know the windows are wound down to get oh, the yeah. free air conditioning sort of thing. Hey, Suzanne writes into exciting developments at our house this morning. One of our son's uh, friends asked for Bible studies. Oh, so um, it's just really exciting awesome. to, to, to know that that's really exciting. We'll be praying for that and hope all goes well in that space as well. Um, yeah. So, um, and also, oh, Suzanne writes in, my hubby still has his first car. True. A charger. Ah, there we go. <laughs> There's the word charger, and well, I, I do remember the chargers. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a Dodge Charger there. I'm assuming, or if, or maybe maybe it's a different brand. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure this car's name's Dodge Chargers. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Charger. He even bought it over from New Zealand in a shipping container with our other household goods. So yeah, congrats. That's great news, Suzanne. And um, yeah, let us know what condition it's in. So he still has it. Is he driving it? Um, has he refurbished? Uh, what is he? Was he? Has he restored it in any kind of way? Or mm. is it just going really well? What color is it? Just let us know. That'll be mm. exciting to know. Okay, just remembering that in New New Norfolk, Tassie, we're saying hi to our listeners out there. We're hoping you're having a super, super day. And all of our listeners Australia-wide, we're hoping you're having an absolutely super day. Mm. 
We are continuing our Bible study time, looking at God's mission, my mission. That's the whole series for several weeks that we are covering. And, of course, this week we're looking at motivation and preparation for mission. Now, Mm. we missed out a bit yesterday, so we might actually even just touch on it really briefly just to give us some of the context as well. But the day before yesterday, and, yes, we had hiccups online as well, so you may have been coming in or out, or you might have since then gone to our podcast to listen as well, looking at, um, you know, Luke chapter 24 and and how basically at Jesus' resurrection, the women came to the tomb, they found that, of course, the tomb was empty. They ran back to the disciples, Peter, and then ran to check it out if the women, what the women were saying was actually true. Mm. <laughs> um, and also, you know, and he found, of course, the wrapping, you know, the, 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 the wrap that Jesus had around him, around the head was actually, um, folded, of course, in the tomb, which indicated that he would be coming back. Mm. And then we actually um, read about the fact that Jesus appeared to the disciples, uh, to them also. He appears to them when they are still together, and he actually says, "You know, did not I not open?" Um, so he open, he says, "You know, do do you not remember that I actually said to you, you know, the prophecies pointed to this from the Old Testament, you know, from the Torah, and he went through all from Moses onwards. Um, sorry, from." Um, uh, Deuteronomy, Moses's writings onwards and Isaiah and all the prophecies. And then he actually opened their understanding so that they might comprehend the, the scriptures. We're talking about that as being really important. And of course, mm. then after Jesus ascended to heaven, um, you know, he actually instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem and they would be filled and until they would actually be filled with the promise, um, that was really the promise of the Holy Spirit being sent. So really yesterday's one would have been on Acts 1, 12 to 26. So Luke continues to write in the book of Acts. He's written the book of Luke and now he then... You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. And then what happens, he actually continues on to then write write, write about what actually happens beyond mm. that with the disciples. So maybe we can read 12 to 26 of Acts chapter 1 so we can bring some of that in in the upper room. And then we're going to look at um, Acts chapter 2 as well. Um, we're not going to read all of those verses, but just unpack what actually happens because there's loads there in Acts chapter 2 as well. But do you want to read some of those verses, pull out some of the key ones for you, Lawson, please? Yeah, of course. If we come to Acts chapter 1, verses 12, the Bible says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. So what's interesting, what's of note here is, so this is like post the ascension of Jesus, and what is what is interesting to draw out from this is that they here, they've just seen Jesus go to heaven. 
They're like, okay, what do we do? Mm. What, are, what are we about? Like, what, what steps do we now need to take? Jesus has said to us that we're going to be witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, not only in Judea, not only in Samaria, but to the rest of the world. What does that actually look like for us? And, and there are a few events that unfold after this, you know, picking uh, Joseph to be a replacement for Judas as a disciple and take his office and whatnot. But ultimately, all of this is preceded by their seeking of the Lord in prayer, that mm. they come together in prayer, they're praying, they're asking God to be with them, they're asking God to lead them and guide them in the next steps that they should take. And then this continues on once we come to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, where it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come again, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where where they were sitting. So they have begun this tradition, this habit of praying together, of mm. seeking the Lord at this time and asking God to be with them, asking God, hey, God, what do we do? Like, we need your help, Jesus. We need your help. Please guide us. Please direct us. And it's on, with this as, as a pretense, uh, with this as the, the activity that precedes uh, Pentecost, I think that's the reason why Pentecost was such an amazing step for the young, early developing Christian movement and why so many people were one is because this was a movement that was ultimately predicated on prayer and the power of God. Mm. Like, oh. like they, they said, hey, like the only way we have to to feel for, for, to fulfill this call that Jesus has given us is by waiting on God and by asking him to be with us, to be working with us, to be in us as well, the power of the Holy Spirit too. This is the this is the understanding that they had come to, and this is them living that out now. Living it out, and it's interesting that it says prayer and supplication. It's like, why don't we just say prayer? But mm. supplication is a begging. You know, it's, mm. it's like that real deep, heartfelt connection to God, just saying like pleading with God. You know, and you know what we need to remember is, um, you know, that they. Uh, they knew he'd risen, risen again. Um, but you know, they, they knew also that they, that Jesus, what Jesus had said to them, wait on, you know, um, and, and be filled, you know, with, with, with the Holy Spirit that would be, we be coming their way. And in this, in this point, this is why this is actually a really common and well used passage, Pentecost. Is, is referred to, and of course it was the 50 days, you know, between the, um, refers to the days between the beginning of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread and the Feast of the First Fruits. Mm. Um, and, and that was actually a really significant time. So they, you know, they would be together as well. Mm. You know, because the feasts that were being celebrated, hey, mm. um, and that they were fully come. I love the fact that I've got this underlined in my Bible, all with one accord. What do you think about that? Oh, it was, it was that they were united together in, in this community. Like, and the idea of one accord, like the Bible makes it even more specific. There, there was this time among the disciples in which they like even shared everything that they had in the sense that they had sold their property to enable the mission to go forward. They had given their money to the mission and then they were living together. And it, I, I feel like this was a time of 
definite like spiritual growth for the people who were joining the movement as mm. well, like really solidifying what it was that they were believing. I believe it would have been definitely a time of instruction and training as well coming from the disciples. Yep. Well, as the disciples were developing the doctrines themselves, like they were developing, okay, what is it that we believe and how do we package that and share that with people? Like uh, w- what is our statement? What is our creed? What is it that we've come to understand as truth and that we share and proliferate with the world and so they're spending this time together doing that and it's in that sense of that one accord that mission and that unity that they then go and and share with others you Mm. know it's they move together and they function together as oh that's that group of christians or you know these are those people that are following the way it was like christians were categorized as people who spent time in groups like there was a unity amongst them that they congregated together you could be in the ancient world and and speaking of ancient greek philosophies and whatnot like you could be uh lawson the epicurean or denuda the stoic or or shell the the platonist and it was like oh yeah like your philosophy like the the, the thing that you identify yourself with in that sense, like it didn't necessarily invoke community. It was just like, I subscribe to the ideas of this particular person. But for the Christians, there was this add an element of that's such and such the Christian. And the way that we can tell that is because they spend time with the other Christians. They're in the, this group of, of Christians. And in terms of their evangelism, in terms of the way that they reach people, it wasn't an individual effort. It wasn't singularly, even though we do see an instance of that, it wasn't in, in, in a sense, just that singular effort of, you know, just standing in, in, in the town square or the town center and, and sharing your philosophy. It's like, Oh no, this is us as this group of people Mm. who have come to understand the way to understand Christ and what Christ has done for us. And we're inviting you now, not just to a philosophical assent, but rather to join the community of believers, to become Uh, in one accord with us. Absolutely. I love that. And, and, you know, when I think that, you know, back to John chapter 17, where Jesus prays for himself, he prays for the disciples, he prays, uh, for, um, for, for all believers, Mm. you know, his prayer there is really significant because it's all about, may they be one as you, Father, and I are one. Mm. And so this is really significant where here then it says they were all of one accord. Mm. That was the crucial thing. That was in its sense, in, in, in and of itself, a reflection of that relationship of the father and the mm. son. And so when they were all of one accord in that place, it says in verse two of chapter two of Acts, suddenly there came, um, a sound. Uh, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them. And you know, I, you know, I think of the verse in, um, John chapter three, verse 11. Sorry, verse, uh, verse eight, sorry, where Jesus actually says, and this is the story of Nicodemus, but he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone, here it is, who is born of the spirit. Mm. 
Interesting, mm. isn't it? Because that's exactly that reflection of the fact that they've been born of the Spirit. Mm. That in and of itself, that there's this wind, they didn't know where it comes from, but it's the wind and the fire that comes and sits upon each of them mm-hmm. that is basically indicating that they have been born of the Spirit, that the Spirit has been poured out upon them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, you know, this incredible miracle that happens in Pentecost, and, and they still see that that very visual and physical representation mm. of, of them being, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and this fire that sat upon them. But this is ultimately this experience of, of, of Pentecost and and being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that God wants us to experience because that is the very thing that enables us to go and to do his mission. You know? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because like, the question was, it's like, okay, they're in, they're in prayer and want to call. Why, why, would, why would you waste time in prayer what, when you can just get out there and get it done and get stuck in it? And it's because they realize, okay, the effectiveness of our ministry is solely enabled by the power of God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Awesome. It's come time for our last quiz questions. Those that had the first one were lucky to get the answer from you, but that won't happen for this very last one. Take it away, please, for the last quiz question. Here we go, the last <laughs> quiz question. Who said, skin for skin, yay, all that a man hath will he give for his life? 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our amazing, well, cookbooks. You'll get one. Someone else will get one. Someone else will get one if you are one of the three lucky people that are drawn from the wheel tomorrow. But again, that question was, who said, skin for skin, yay, all that a man hath will he give for his life. You know the answer to that one. If you know who said that, 0491-064-669. And of course, you want to answer today because today you get double points. And if you oh. answer correctly, we'll, mate, we'll, we'll hook you up. We, T- today's a super special day. Huh? Like, right. you know, double points. Three cookbooks instead of one. That's like right. anything else before the end of the show is uh, what people have been looking for. <laughs> uh, we have a car. No, we don't. No. Have a car. We don't have a car. We, oh, this is. Have you ever wanted to go to space? Well, we do too. So yeah. if you know how to get there, let us let us know. Uh, we're just baiting people at this point. But hey, again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And we're continuing our study, looking at whom you crucified, looking at the book of Acts, and of course the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost on the disciples in the upper room. Um, and you know, as we've started the early verses of chapter two of Acts, we've read the fact that the disciples were all of one accord and in one place and that uh, there came a sound that of a rushing wind and there were the fire fire that mm. sat upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Mm-hmm. Now then it goes on and there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation and when they when they when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language and on it goes and actually names the different languages too doesn't it now this mm-hmm. is a really interesting passage don't you think Lawson because it has um, a variety of interpretations that people sort of look at sometimes with this yeah. 
And here the significance is that, well, sorry, here's that bit of the context again as well. So Pentecost, out of any of the festivals that were, Jewish festivals that were celebrated, in Jerusalem, this was the place that, this is the, the feast that would actually, um, oh, sorry, the festival that would actually attract the most different nations and people coming into Jerusalem. Mm. This is the time out of all of it because it was a great time for them to travel when it came to the different seasons. And it was no other time that the gift of the spirit would actually produce most direct effects and far and, and, and uh, reach so many people mm. as the one of Pentecost, because this is the one that most people would come into Jerusalem, wouldn't they? Mm. Now, here what we read is that the disciples are together of one accord. Okay, they are together, and then basically, it's the, here's the mission part of it. They're witnesses, and the, the word goes out, the good news, the gospel of Jesus being risen goes out to others. Mm-hmm. And here what we see is they said that the tongues of fire fell, fell on them, but what do we find then happens further? Was it in tongues that people did not understand or was it something that they did understand and how did that happen? Look, I think that this passage is impossible to misunderstand. I, I, I think that I, I, I think that if you could misunderstand this passage to misunderstand what tongues is, I think it's a stretch. I, I, I really, so what takes place is that they receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the Bible says here that they speak with tongues and the Spirit here gave them utterance. That's right. And the question is, well, what is the outcome of them doing this? And if you yeah. simply read the passage, it's quite obvious. It says, uh, you know, it continues on and it mentions, as you said, it, when you read in verse eight, oh, starting in verse seven, actually, it says, then they were amazed and they marveled. This is all the people who had come to see see the the Christians who are who are speaking here all the people are standing around marveling and it says look are not all these who speak Galileans mm, mm. and how is it that we hear each in our own language That's the key. in which we were born That's it pa- uh, Parthians Medes and Elamites those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene visitors in Rome with both Jews and proselytes, proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, uh, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And so what was obviously happening here is that God had, in filling with the, them with the Holy Spirit, enabled them to speak in tongues, and it's very obviously contextualized by them saying that, okay, we can hear them speaking in our language, and even it's translated as such. It's like, we hear them speaking in our our tongue. The word there that's given for mm. language is the word tongue. And I, I mm-hmm. feel like, again, it's impossible. It's impossible to misunderstand this passage mm. as being anything other than that when mm. you just read it, when you read each verse and go through. The only way to misunderstand it is to ultimately compartmentalize this passage. And and that's what people have done. They've taken verse 
4 where it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues mm. as the Spirit gave them off mm. um, utterance. They then jump over to, say, Romans chapter 8 and they read verse 26 and it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And they take that passage and they take this passage and, you know, they take some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, um, but he who prophesies uh, speaks edification and exhortation of men. Who who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And it's in verse 2 here actually where it says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak um, to men, but to God, um, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Like they take these various verses and they, they can conglomerate them together ultimately to say tongues is speaking in an unknown gibberish language that for some reason is a language of prayer to the angels and is good for you to do when in fact if, if that was the case if, if anything the the bible in first corinthians 14 is actually denouncing it in fact i talked to someone one time i was i was talking to a pentecostal christian and they said if you don't speak in tongues when you're baptized and by tongues they mean that the pentecostal version of tongues which is speaking in an unknown language which very much like sounds like gibberish from my perspective they they just say it's not an actual language in terms of like a known language that people speak you know you hear a lot of t's and tars and this and that uh this person asserted to me it's like if you don't speak in tongues you haven't received the holy spirit and your baptism was fake like this is this is what this person said to me even though you can read multiple instances in the bible where people are baptized and they don't speak in tongues uh but in this case it's like why is it that they're speaking in tongues why is it that it was at this time that they were speaking in tongues why was it a result of the holy spirit and it's like well what does the holy spirit come to do to enable us to, again, share the gospel, to reach other people, to be in one accord. And what would enable all of those things to take place? Being able to speak in the languages of all the people who are in attendance at Pentecost. Like, it's it's very obvious. I think it's very cause and effect. And to, to misapply it as such is... I really sincerely and wholeheartedly believe it's it's just construing Scripture into something that it's not. You can come to a very clear conclusion by just reading what the Bible says. And the thing is that interesting, it follows on with Peter's sermon. Peter, Peter actually stands up and he actually speaks to to the, to the people there in mm-hmm. Jerusalem and he actually says, you know, no, we are not drunk. You know, we're not saying gibberish so um, true. Or, or, or babbling in any kind of way. He actually speaks clearly to them and um, you know the word in the Greek for language is actually the word dialectos which means dialects Um, and so that's really clear with that but anyway so this is the very first sermon that they actually have which is really fascinating and then Mm. he actually says we have been all been witnesses as in the disciples have been witnesses that Jesus has risen and so we want to encourage you to give Jesus a go in your life you know bring bring your um, bring yourself to Jesus speak to him he'll forgive you of your sins as you ask for that and he wants to give you the holy spirit you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different it's come time for us to give our answers to our quiz questions 
Okay, here we go. Some answers. Who told his mother? Didn't you know I should be about my father's business? That was none other than Jesus, obviously. I gave it away in the time in which we gave that clue. But it was to your benefit that I did so. <laughs> and you're welcome. And, and I there mean- were stacks of answers, of course, because of that, which is fabulous. So many more people in the draw, but that's not the way we normally work. It's also a particularly, <laughs> it's a particularly famous passage. I mean, this is Jesus's first miracle here. And well, well, before Jesus' first miracle, this is like when he's 12 years old. In in the city of Jerusalem, having visited it during the Passover, and he it's basically the time in which Jesus realizes, like as a child, like I am the Son of God. I've been called here to to be the the Lamb slain. Hey, next one here. Who said? Aren't thou he that troubleth Israel? It was none other than Ahab. Mm. And he was saying this to, uh, of course, Elijah, mm-hmm. the prophet Elijah. And uh, yeah, there was much trouble happening in Israel at the time. And it was basically Ahab's fault. Like, it's, yeah. it's so funny. Like, Ahab is the one who has, like, completely led the nation into idolatry. So all these pagan priests and whatnot. And of course, with the help of his wife, too, they've just, like, fully established like Baal worship and everything all these issues is and again it's like art thou he that troubleth Israel this is what Ahab is saying to 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 Elijah and it's like buddy like talking about troubling Israel dude that's your fault like you you're the one causing issues you're the one causing problems uh but you know we we know that that Ahab and and Jezebel they were eventually they were dealt with, so you know. And, Absolutely, and they, they were dealt with. They, they and of course, the that. story that follows after that is on Mount Carmel, where they, mm. yeah, amazing miracle that happened. Amazing there. miracle of fire from onto the altar, fire coming yep. down from heaven. Next one here, Hugh said, "I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord." That was John the Baptist. Uh, the next one here, who said, "Give me here John the Baptist's head on a charger or, or platter." You know, <laughs> yeah. this this strange, elusive phrase that I've never heard before apparently. Um that it was Herodias's daughter who said that, who asked um King Herod for that as a result of you know dancing in front of King Herod. Herod's like, I'll give you up to half my kingdom and then it's like, how about you kill John the Baptist? Which is such a rough go for old John. And then yeah. finally here, who said skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. That was none other then Satan. Mm. So awful stuff there. I don't think that's what, how you want to and end And that's up. in the story of Job. But also we have... Because Satan was trying to God. do everything possible, you know. He was just saying to, to you know, God, mm. you know, look at your servant Job, you know. Mm. He follows you but only because he has everything. Yeah, basically, and- you just give him stuff and that's why he likes you and, and God makes it very clear. And Job makes it very clear, like despite the providence of God, even if everything be taken away, like he will still worship and serve God. So Absolutely. Fabulous that. story, the book of Job. We talked about it, about it um, the other day as well. Hey, Suzanne wrote in earlier back when we asked her the question, well, let us know about your hubby's car that he still has that he bought from New Zealand. She says he wishes it was a Dodge Charger. <laughs> it's an Aussie VH Charger, Matt oh, Black. He's okay. slowly restoring it. That would be amazing. When it's done, send us in a photo. We'd love to see you if, if you're willing to share that as well. Mm. Hey, 
Alan writes, hey guys, I've been blessed to run my own classic car restoration business since 2010. Oh, wow. I've been blessed to have restored 50 plus classic cars from 1967 to 1986. Mostly Fords, but some old Tiranas. I remember the old Tiranas. They were around everywhere. They were around with the Escorts. Do you, I mean, that, yeah, that was probably before you moved here, Shell, to, to Australia. But yeah, Escort was one of our first cars that we drove around, you know, when we could start learning to did drive. You, did you guys like put your feet through the bottom of the floor and like push it along, you know, like some uh, yabba No, no, stuff, not or? quite. I did have a friend who had a hole in the bottom under, you know, of his car and he used to put his foot through that, but no, we didn't. So, um, yeah, restored some from 1967 to 1986, mostly Fords, but some old Tiranas, trucks, trailers and boats thrown in as well. God was with me every step of the way and has been working on my heart of late and helped me to make my mind up to study at Avondale, that's Avondale University in Kurumbong, oh, to become amazing. a high school um, teacher in two years' time. So I get to use all my God-given talents to teach the next generation. So Powerful. fantastic stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're coming to the end of our show. And, of course, fabulous shows continuing on throughout the day. But our text for today to encourage you comes from Zephaniah, so from the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 17, and it says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that fabulous? Mm. So just a promise for the day. And remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.